Greetings and welcome. I'm Jane Barton, and this is Cardinal Musings, a podcast focused on the issues of paramount importance as we age, what I call cardinal concerns. So grab a cup of coffee, settle into your favorite chair. It's time to chat. Over the past two-plus years, I've presented many programs on the issue of change and the transition experienced in the aftermath of change. There has certainly been no lack of relevant examples of change recently. Seems as if every aspect of life has changed as a consequence of the global pandemic, financial instability, and the social and political unrest. But recently, I've been reminded of the changes and transitions associated with the journey of caregiving and aging as well. Granted, I've written extensively about this topic for years and presented countless programs on caregiving and the aging process. However, several dear friends are currently knee-deep in the trenches of caregiving and or the challenges posed by aging. Thus, they are dealing with significant change at every turn. So the issue is forefront in my mind and heart. As a quick review, let's examine the nature of change and why it's problematic for most of us. Change by definition means that something ends. A job, a life, a way of life, good health, financial stability, or perhaps a relationship. And when something ends, we experience a sense of loss to which our natural reaction is grief. Furthermore, when life changes, any aspect of life, the change initiates a transition. Now, transitions are moments in time when we are attempting to figure out how to bridge the gap between what was and what will be. Stating the obvious, transitions can be and usually are difficult, disturbing, and daunting chapters of life. When transitioning, we're dealing with grief. We're coming to grips with the reality of the situation, and we're trying to figure out how in the world to move on with life, which is not an easy or simple task. In the aftermath of change, we often realize what we've been counting on in the future is no longer possible. Okay, so now what? Well, if a course correction is required, which way do we go to create a new way of being? to embrace a new way of life. These are the moments in time when we find ourselves pacing the floor at 3 a.m. Our minds are spinning and churning in a desperate search for answers. But in the midst of transitioning, the needed and wanted answers are too often elusive. So keep this in mind. There are countless questions that bombard us during times of transition questions for which we have no ready response. Hence, we feel ill-prepared, off-kilter, and very, very vulnerable. It's no wonder that in the aftermath of change, we long to go back. We want to feel normal again. We long to reclaim the status quo, to return to a time in which we felt as if we were in control, even if that was an illusion. (laughs) We want the world to abide by our previous expectations and assumptions. We want everyone and everything to play by the rules we've always believed to be true and valid. But the harsh reality is this. After a significant change, the rules change. 
and therefore our expectations and assumptions of life must change as well. A difficult adjustment to say the very least. That's why transitions are bumpy. We're feeling our way along trying to figure out a new direction, learn a new way of being, establish new goals and objectives, and visualize a new way of life. And in the midst of all this transformation, we typically confront a fire hose of demands each step along the way. With the basics of change in mind, let's consider the challenges posed by change and transition throughout the journey of caregiving. Caregiving by its very nature is a continuous process of change. A change in health is a game changer for the care receiver and everyone involved in the plan of care. This is why so many care receivers and their family caregivers experience what is referred to as change fatigue. The big change is often the diagnosis of a serious disease process, or perhaps the realization that a chronic condition has become terminal. After that, a cascade of other changes typically follows. Roles and responsibilities change. The daily rhythm changes. Life plans change. Hopes and dreams change. Financial stability changes, and on and on. The disease process or disability becomes a new member of the family that destroys the previous tenuous balance of the family system. This new family member seemingly loves to upset the apple cart periodically, just to keep us from becoming complacent. Just when you think the dust is settling and a peaceful existence is possible, wham, something else changes. Thus, the journey becomes the endless process of adapting and accommodating the myriad of changes prompted by the progression of the condition. This is true whether the medical situation is improving or worsening. That's why many caregivers find it difficult to enjoy the periodic moments of calm and stability. We've learned not to trust these moments in time. We know another change is just around the corner. Consumed by anxiety and worry about what might happen, caregivers are therefore unable to savor some much-needed, although fleeting, tranquility. Thus we move from one transition to the next without a break in the action. It's exhausting. This incessant cycle of change, transition, adjustment, and accommodation is physically and emotionally challenging. So it's no wonder that many family caregivers feel burned out, depressed, and stressed to the max. The ultimate consequence of change fatigue. When feeling this way, it's also difficult to respond to change in the best way possible for all concerned. Many years ago when caring for my dad, I learned that I have a tendency to overfunction when serving as a caregiver. When the pressure is on, I shift into overdrive. With every significant change related to the care of my dad, I became increasingly determined to resolve the issue quickly. I wanted to expedite the transition in order to reclaim control. I was weary of navigating the twists and turns. I wanted to smooth out the bumps in order to regain my balance. Granted, I wasn't self-aware enough at the time to understand the whys motivating my behavior. But looking back, I understand what I was trying to accomplish 
as well as the unexpected consequences of my actions. Perhaps you can learn something from my experience. Let me tell you a story. In 1992, my dad suffered a stroke. He lived alone in a duplex residing in my hometown of Lubbock, Texas. At the time, I lived in Houston, and my brother and his wife lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Since dad experienced the stroke when at home, it was at least 24 hours before a friend discovered him lying on the floor of his den, incapacitated, frightened, and alone. After admission into the hospital, my brother Richard was notified of the situation. Richard immediately called me. I was working in my office when the phone rang. Hearing Richard's voice, I knew immediately something was wrong. Richard never called me at work. My life changed the instant I heard the news about Dad. Everything I had planned, everything I had been expecting in the foreseeable future was no longer possible. Instead, upon hanging up the phone, I spent the next couple of hours shutting down my life in Houston in order to get into my car and drive back to West Texas. The nine-hour drive gave me the time to think, to feel, and to prepare for this unexpected and unwanted bump in the road. I felt every emotion known to man or woman. I was frightened. I was angry, frustrated, worried, hopeful, despairing, confident, uncertain, you name it. I felt it while driving. I also felt guilty. I was enraged by this turn of events that totally derailed my life. This was not what I had planned. It totally ticked me off. And then I felt guilty about feeling ticked off. Those were the moments when I had to remind myself that I needed to focus on the well-being of my dad. I had no doubt that Richard, Dana, and I could meet any challenge. Together, we could and would care for dad. I'd deal with the rest of my life later. After dad's stroke, we had to make some important decisions. His current residence would not accommodate the many physical and cognitive changes caused by the stroke. Additionally, since neither Richard or I lived in Lubbock, we thought it advisable for Dad to live close to a dear friend who had offered to check in on Dad daily once discharged from the hospital. We explored various options and thankfully located a condo not far from his friend. Thinking this was a fabulous solution, we made plans to move Dad in short order. As luck would have it, There was an ice storm in West Texas the week of the move, as if moving is not hard enough. However, we were hardy stock and pushed through the inclement weather. After an incredibly long weekend, we rejoiced in a job well done. Well, I should say that Richard, Dana, and I rejoiced in a job well done. I remember Dad standing in the den of his new condo as we were moving furniture and boxes between the various rooms. He looked so lost. He was baffled by what was happening. A look of disbelief etched on his face. But it was more than that. My dad was afraid. 
but I was too busy to notice. I was determined to get Dad settled into his new home and then get on with life. Needless to say, after the move, it was anything but smooth sailing. Turns out we were much happier about the move than Dad, because we failed to recognize that Dad was afraid, actually petrified, to live alone after his stroke. His memory of being on the floor in his duplex, alone and unable to access help, haunted him. Consequently, he never spent a single night in the condo we so carefully appointed and prepared for him. Instead, he moved in with his friend who agreed to care for him, a friend who recognized his fear and then provided an option to dispel his concerns. So what is the lesson to be learned from our ill-fated move? Well, when change happens and the transition commences, Take a moment to breathe. Take some much-needed time to get your bearings. Look around and assess the situation. Identify the challenges. Recognize available resources. Determine viable options. And please, oh please hear this. Collaborate with those involved to create a united front to develop a plan for moving ahead that everyone supports. Instead of telling others what to do in this process, ask what is wanted and needed during the chaotic and uncertain transition. Encourage everyone affected to be part of the process, to be part of the conversation, whether a caregiver or the care receiver. A variety of perspectives serve to generate some interesting alternatives and possibilities during times of transition. So by asking others to help in charting a course through transitional times, everyone feels seen, everyone feels heard, and everyone is honored. And because of this, everyone is more likely to work with you instead of being an impediment to your plan. This will save you a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a tremendous amount of frustration. And hopefully, you'll miss the joy of a futile move in the midst of an ice storm. (laughs) That was an experience I could have lived without. And I now realize it's an experience that could have been avoided if I'd taken the time to ask Dad what he wanted and needed. Lesson learned, Dad. Transitions are not only logistically challenging, as my story of my dad's move highlighted, but they can also be emotionally distressing. Not surprising, since change by definition means that something ends. And when something ends, we experience a sense of loss, and thus we grieve an emotional process that stresses every facet of our being. As I noted in other episodes of this podcast and in many programs that I present, grieving is one of the hardest things we do as human beings. Grieving is physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausting. And we grieve when transitioning, a time when our sense of normal has been shattered, The future seems uncertain, and stability is a distant memory. 
Needless to say, we aren't clicking on all cylinders when transitioning. So adding insult to injury, grief is part of the transitional milieu. By understanding the inherent nature of transitional times, recognizing what we're up against, we're better prepared to deal with the inevitable changes encountered over the course of a lifetime. When transitioning, we'll know that practical matters must be addressed. Additionally, we can expect the transition to be emotionally taxing. Personally, this is the aspect of transitioning that challenges me the most. I learned this lesson earlier in life as well. This time my mentor was my godmother, Aunt Jane. Yes, I am her namesake. And I absolutely adored her. She was my real-life Annie Mame, larger than life. Aunt Jane gallivanted around the world, making friends far and wide. She loved to smoke, to drink, to laugh, to dance. She loved playing bridge, swimming, and hanging out with her family and friends. She was body, bodacious, bold, brave, loving, caring, devoted, steadfast, authentic, and principled. Quite simply, she was extraordinary. Perhaps that is why her less-than-stellar ending was so heartbreaking for me, and for her. Let me explain. Aunt Jane experienced what many people eventually confront as a consequence of the aging process. She outlived her support system. Her husband, her child, and her dearest friends predeceased her. So as she told me one evening about 30 years ago, Janie, I am the last one standing, and I don't like it one little bit. It's no fun. I must admit that I was somewhat offended since I was sitting across the table from her. What about me, I thought. Consequently, I reminded her that I loved her dearly and that she could always count on me. I wanted to reassure her that she wasn't alone. Although she expressed gratitude for my care and concern, she explained that she missed her peers, the people she had created memories with for 70-plus years. She missed sharing the journey with my godfather and her friends. Life seemed so pointless to her in that moment. Listening, I realized this was a heartache I could not fix. In the closing chapter of her journey, she was no longer the life of the party. She was merely a party of one. Faced with the reality of aging alone, Aunt Jane accepted that aging in place was not realistic. I was fortunate, since I ultimately served as her guardian, that Aunt Jane made the decision to sell her house and move to a long-term care community. Thus, I didn't have to convince her to sell the home. Not that she would have listened to me anyway. Thankfully, she was wise enough to realize that after a series of mini-strokes, it was no longer safe to live alone in her multi-level home. This was a courageous decision on her part. She sold the home that she and my godfather built and shared for over 30 years. Her home was therefore more than a lovely structure in a beautiful setting. She belonged there. 
She was comfortable there. She had created a lifetime of memories there, and she was known there. Regardless, the reality was apparent. It was time to move. An earth-shattering change and transition for Aunt Jane and for me. Moving from her home to a small apartment in a long-term care community required planning and the assistance of many. Aunt Jane decided to have an estate sale, something I had nothing to do with. But a few years later, I was blamed for having sold all of her wine glasses in the sale. As a result, Aunt Jane was relegated to serving wine in juice glasses. (laughs) Now, I can laugh about that scene now. That scene with Aunt Jane pointing a finger at me. But in that moment, it was painful to be blamed for just one more loss that she had incurred. As for the actual move, at least we didn't have an ice storm like the time we moved my dad. Thank goodness for small favors. But as with every move, we had other challenges. I recall my brother struggling to get Aunt Jane's refrigerator through the door of her apartment, ultimately removing the door. Richard never complained, but there was much grunting and groaning before the fridge was installed in the kitchen. I remember my sister-in-law, Dana, doing countless things to move the process along. Dana has a knack for moving and organizing things, absolutely priceless. And I remember the first night Aunt Jane stayed in her apartment, alone. After all the to-dos were done, after we enjoyed a lovely meal, the reality came home to roost. Aunt Jane was not going home, at least not to the home we had all known and loved for so many years. For the rest of her life, home would be defined as a room in the long-term care community. A devastating reality for all of us. From that moment on, I would have to imagine Aunt Jane in an unremarkable one-bedroom apartment instead of the home I knew so well, the place I actually considered my second home. But I would not have to imagine the intensity of her pain or the depth of her sorrow because I heard it that night. After saying goodbye and hugging her, she closed the door. I stood in the hallway, seemingly unable or unwilling to leave her. On the other side of the door, Aunt Jane was struggling as well. In the privacy and silence of her apartment, she could no longer mute her grief. Separated by the door, she sobbed uncontrollably. And so did I. I wanted to break down that door, wrap her up in my arms, and take her back home. I wanted to go back to the way things used to be, to embrace the Aunt Jane I used to know. As the tears flowed on both sides of the door, I knew this was one more thing I couldn't fix for any of us. Aunt Jane's choice to move changed everything about her day-to-day existence. The change in residence changed her future and ours, and it changed our interactions with her. I knew in the days and weeks to come, she would need our help with settling in, coming to terms with this life-changing transition. But before dealing with the logistics, we all needed to deal with the gaping hole in our hearts. 
We need a time to mourn our losses. I seemed to know this intuitively. I sensed it, and I heard it. Listening to Aunt Jane cry that night, I learned what a broken heart sounds like, a sound that haunts me to this day. I have yet to discover a magical healing balm to resolve the intensity of such profound pain. Instead, we must discover the courage within to live with the pain while resolving to move on with life. One step at a time, we learn to reconcile with what's been lost while remaining open to what is yet to be discovered. So my friends, remember that change and the subsequent transition can be heartbreaking. Thus, I invite you to be gentle with yourself and with others when navigating the inevitable bumps encountered between what was and what will be. Transitions are a time to be kind. Although I could keep babbling about the bumpy nature of life transitions for quite some time, perhaps it's better if we take a little breather and wrap things up today. We've actually covered a lot of ground related to the nature of change and the subsequent transitions. Perhaps when time permits, you can reflect on some of the ideas presented and determine if there is something there for you. I certainly hope you heard something of benefit. The bottom line for me related to change and transition is this. One of the reasons I chafe when change happens is that my illusion of control is shattered. I subsequently feel exposed, vulnerable, and at risk, a feeling I dislike intensely. But if I can admit that control is an illusion, then I am better able to move through the transitions of life. In fact, knowing I am not in control actually gives me a renewed sense of freedom. In the transitions, I can test drive new ways of being. I might opt for a different direction in life. I might actually realize that the change and turbulent transition are leading to an enhanced experience of life. Who knew? So during these chaotic and changing times, I would like to extend an invitation to you and to myself. Let's choose to remain open to possibilities. Let's choose to recognize what is lost when life changes and intentionally mourn our losses. Let's be kind to ourselves and others caught in the turbulence of transitions. Let's believe there are better days ahead. And let's support each other through times of change and transition. Together, we can move from what was to what will be in life-giving, life-affirming ways. So here's to the journey. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you heard something of benefit. I also offer virtual programs and reflections on similar topics. If interested, please check out my website to review upcoming events and to read my blog at cardinallife.com. Send any questions, comments, or suggestions to my email, cardinallife at msn.com. I look forward to musing with you again in the very near future about other cardinal concerns. 
Till then, take good care and remember to enjoy the moment. Blessings to you and yours.